This week on Life and Faith. This is one of the things I wrestled with as a when I was changing my mind about God, that actually the underlying mechanisms absolutely go together with um, the possibility of a being who set it all in motion. It's a bit like asking, you know, if we uncover all of the underlying mechanisms of Instagram, does that disprove the existence or relegate the existence of um, Kevin Sistrom, the, the founder of Instagram? And of course not. You know, these two things can perfectly well exist together. In fact, one is the reason why the other exists. And so even if we come up with a beautiful, elegant neuroscience of consciousness, which I hope we do, that will still leave the question, why are we conscious at all? Why does consciousness exist in the first place? We have entered into an amusing ourselves to death moment in history. It doesn't make sense to me. If there is God, God's supposed to be free. I was 100% sure that I was sacrificing on the altar of truth my only chance for happiness in this world. Miracles don't necessarily change anybody's mind. They just get their attention. And so I had to run with my child on my back, the Isa army coming behind us. I said, gee, Uncle George, this is luxurious for a communist. <laughs> Sonny said nothing's too good for the worker, nothing. Welcome to Life and Faith from CPX. I'm Simon Smart, and with me in the studio is Natasha Moore. Hey, Natasha. Now, the question of who we are as human beings is one we like to wrestle with at CPX. It is a particular favourite topic of yours, Simon. The rest of us find it interesting too, but I feel like this is your wheelhouse. It sort of is. And uh, look, I really do, though, think it's good to tease out the implications of belief, and that's largely why I'm so interested in this topic. Now, we hear, for instance, quite a lot these days that we are just complex physical beings. We are nothing more than chemicals and water and material stuff, and that's the totality of who and what we are. But I want to ask, is this true? Are we just those things? And if not, what are we? What do we make of our brains, the physical thing, and us, the conscious beings with memories and loves and hates and fears and so on? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, if we're going to say that I am fundamentally the neurons that are firing in my brain, that all of my physical sensations and my memories and the decisions that I make are contained in those electrical impulses... Mm -hmm. Where you get to is this idea that maybe I, you know, my consciousness, am not so different to like a computer. And whatever the scientists have to say about that as an idea, certainly the filmmakers have been interested in this. For example, Exhibit A, the Johnny Depp film from 2014. I don't think you've seen it, Simon. I haven't seen it. I saw it. Transcendence. Will's body is dying, but his mind is a pattern of electrical signals. We can upload his consciousness. We can save him. Not like this. Assuming that this works, if we missed anything, a thought, a childhood memory, how will you know who you're dealing with? Well, my God. I can't feel anything. I'm here. You need to get me online. I need more power. It may be intelligent, it may even be sentient. This is not well. Shut it down. Shut it down. It's him. In Transcendence, Johnny Depp's character, Will Caster, is a scientist working on AI, artificial intelligence. He's working towards the singularity when computers will become sentient and everything will change. 
So he gets shot by anti-tech terrorists and he's dying. And so his wife, who's also his colleague, decides to upload his consciousness. Um, spoiler alert here. Um, for those who want to see it, it doesn't go well. Um, it like it works, but I mean, this is essentially a dystopian movie. Mm, tempting as that idea might sound, there's, there's some complexities in in the actual execution and of plenty it. of drama. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Now, a film like that does probe the question: What's the connection between the physical part of our identity and consciousness, the brain, that roughly 1.3 kilogram organ, I'm told, at the top of our spines, and our consciousness, and what we think makes me me and you, you. So to help us out, we have with us today Dr. Sharon Dirks. Now, she has a PhD in brain imaging from the University of Cambridge and is a senior tutor at OCA, the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics. And she's the author of Am I Just My Brain, which examines questions of human identity from a bunch of different perspectives, so neuroscience, philosophy, and theology. This is a really great book. And it was great to speak to Sharon Dirks about it. And my first question was about her work in the field of brain imaging and what was the most amazing experience she had in that field? Well, while I was able to spend um, some time after my PhD looking at um, human cocaine addiction, so I spent three years at the Medical College of Wisconsin looking at yeah human cocaine uh, abuse, which was a, a huge privilege. Obviously, this was an ethically approved area of research, working with people who had already cocaine dependence. And we were looking at um, where this drug was acting in the brain and trying to understand more about uh, why that is. There were other members of the team looking at how um, addiction affects um, kind of, uh, you know, memory and different cognitive processes. Um, so it was a great, um, a great research lab to be in. Lots of wonderful research going on. So I would say, you know, it's it's rare for any one day for a, a kind of a research study to to blow your mind, as it were. But that kind of day to day moving towards a, a greater understanding of a particular thing uh, was a huge privilege. And I spent um, well over a decade doing that, which was wonderful. Now, you loved maths and science as a child and you followed that path. I, I heard you uh, in a talk explaining that when you were a little girl, you remember sitting and pondering the question of existence, asking you, why do I exist? Why am I a living conscious person? I mean, that's uh, some maybe unusual for someone so young, but you really have pursued that path as it turns out. Well, yes. And what's so interesting is that that question just appeared out of nowhere. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't until that point asking questions about anything. I also wasn't raised in a religious home. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like big philosophical questions were discussed on a regular basis. And so, yeah, I, I did pursue it. But um, actually, there there were some steps in between that of actually Firstly, um, changing my mind about God as an undergraduate studying biochemistry, um, having arrived there pretty much kind of agnostic and having decided that science and God were incompatible. Um, but I actually changed my mind about that on the basis of talking to a lot of people and listening to a lot of um, kind of reasons why uh, that might not be the case. And uh, so, yes, I did pursue it uh, eventually after changing my mind about these things. Now, I want to just pursue this a little bit more. So tell me a bit about your work in, the, in brain imaging 
And I want to ask, has that added to your sense of the sort of a miraculous complexity of human life? Oh, absolutely. Um, and w- what I want to be so clear on in, in this whole argument is that I am, I absolutely love the sciences. I love um, neuroscience. And, um, you know, the more I study the brain and read what others are uncovering, th- this uh, organ that sits in our skulls is just incredible. I mean, we only really understand a fraction of it. Um, just take brain imaging itself, which has really arisen in, in my lifetime in the last three or four decades. Um, you know, that really transformed the landscape of neuroscience because it enabled people to look inside the human brain without cutting into it. And it's exploded in the last few decades. But what's interesting is we can often think now that that this question, am I just my brain, has arisen because of that explosion of neuroscience. But at, Actually, this is an ancient question that has been discussed um, since, well, the ancient world. And it's not a new question that neuroscience has forced into the foreground. It's, it's actually always been discussed. This is an incredibly complex puzzle, isn't it? And I wonder if you could just tease out what are some of the big questions and implications of uh, the way we pursue an answer to this puzzle? Yes, well, there's there's a kind of a view out there that, you know, the thing that makes you you is is driven by the neurons uh, inside your head, um, your thoughts, your personality, your decisions. They're all coming from cell voltages and chemical reactions and neurotransmitters, and so that there's there is sort of a view out there. That, that is basically saying you are your brain and that's it. Now, that's not the only view out there, but it is a very vocal view that, that seems to, you know, have quite a, a wide hearing and a lot of people are exposed to it. And so what I wanted to do in, in, in a book that I've written am I called Am I Just My Brain is to highlight actually uh, there are more uh, alternatives than that that actually offer a better uh, understanding of human beings than simply chalking it all down to cell voltages because, you know, this view is essentially saying that there isn't such a thing as you. There's only your brain. Why do we resist that kind of reductive thinking? We could look at it um, on lots of different levels. I mean, firstly, um, philosophically, it's incoherent because the person expressing it is saying, my first person perspective on the world is that there is no first person perspective. There isn't such a thing as me. There's just neurons. And yet to, to express that very view presupposes that there is such a person as you to to do the expressing but then we could look at the practicalities of daily life and say we don't seem to live as though uh, there isn't such a thing as conscious experience because people are writing autobiographies all the time about their experiences we now each have a and a story to tell about the impact of COVID-19 on our lives our experience of that we also have this bizarre dichotomy where, you know, Eastern mysticisms or um, mindfulness is uh, is considered a really important thing today for well-being. Yes. And, and that seems to be the opposite end of the spectrum of simply saying you are your brain. And actually one of the points I make in the book is that it's not enough just to talk about the brain. There is also the mind. There isn't just neurons and cell voltages and neurotransmitters. There's also 
We also have a mind with thoughts and feelings and emotions, memories. And the question is really that lies at the heart of the whole conversation is what is the relationship between the brain and the mind? How do you get from neurons to thoughts? And that um, is a huge chasm to cross that actually many agnostics and atheists would agree with as well as a number of theists that that's a huge chasm to cross and it's especially huge when all you've got to start with is building blocks of matter and material mm. and you've got to climb your way to conscious experience. So how do you bridge that enormous gap? In her book, Sharon outlines some possibilities, including that the brain generates the mind. Another is that the mind is beyond the brain. Here's Sharon. The first one that the brain generates the mind makes the point that when a number of component parts come together, something new comes into being that is greater than, that can't simply be reduced to physics and chemistry. And that would be a form of physicalism, but a non-reductive physicalism that that the mind can't simply be reduced to its respective components but it is very much dependent on the brain but the problem with that view again is still you still come back to this huge chasm how does how do neurons generate experience those are two very different things it's um, something that um, the Australian philosopher David Chalmers has coined the hard problem of consciousness um, and he's he's a, an agnostic or atheist, you know, definitely definitely not a theist, right. and and so he would argue that this is a hard problem to solve. Um, and when all you've got is a closed system of physical things, the problem remains as hard as ever. Um, of course, theists that hold that view would say, well, the system isn't closed. If God exists, you don't just have matter to work with. You have more than that. And therefore, there's hope for crossing this chasm. Now, the second view that you talked about, that the mind is beyond the brain. I guess, again, I'm kind of um, summarising a view known as substance dualism, which basically says there are two substances, that the mind that the brain is a physical substance and the mind is a non-physical substance. And these two are distinct, but they interact. I want to ask you about the implications some of this has for things like free will, uh, meaning, identity. Like what, why does this matter so much when it comes to those questions? Yeah, well, if we are simply our brains, then are we able to you know, make meaningful decisions or do we just do what our brains tell us? So there are, you know, very significant implications for free will. And when you ask about meaning, the problem with that view is that anything out of our mouths is meaningless because how do we not know that that view itself is not simply a product of the physics and chemistry in our brains? And so you end up at this impasse where it's impossible to say anything if we are simply our brains, um, then no- nothing means anything. Um, and the people expressing the view are simply outputting the product of their brains. And so they're asking us not to believe them. And so there's a deep incoherence to this view at the philosophical level. And secondly, we don't live, again, when we come back to the gritty reality of day-to-day life, we don't live as though free will is an illusion. We live as though um, our decisions actually really do mean something. We, uh, as human beings, strive for autonomy. We strive for our rights. And why, why do any of that if, if free will is meaningless? 
uh, if free will doesn't exist. And 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 thirdly, we, you know, there are very very significant implications for uh, moral responsibility here and and judicial decisions because if we are simply our brains, then can anyone be held responsible for their actions, good or bad? And yet we we reward good behaviour and we punish bad as if the person is morally responsible and the bearer of their decisions. You know, brains don't think, people think. Now, of course, on our, our neurology and our if there are different disorders, that can impede decision making. But I think where I go with the book is that actually if there is more to you than just your brain, then those things influence and they do definitely have an effect but they're not the whole story. They're still you. They're still a you, and um, you, you are still responsible ultimately for the decisions that you make. This is Life and Faith, and we're speaking with Sharon Dirks about her book, Am I Just My Brain? Now, the question has really significant implications for all sorts of questions we might have about meaning and objective human value, and we would say the question of God. Here is atheist philosopher Alex Rosenberg giving his brief but quite stunning account of the materiality of human existence. Is there a God? Of course not. What is the meaning of the universe? It doesn't have any. What is the purpose of life? Ditto. Is there a a difference between right and wrong, good and bad? Uh, There's not a moral difference between them. Uh, What is the nature of the relationship between the mind and the brain? They're identical, the mind is the brain. Is there free will? Not a chance. Does the lessons of the past have any particular bearing that would help us cope with the future? Less and less if it ever had any at all. That's Alex Rosenberg from the documentary, Why Are We Here? And uh, I mean, I can see what he's saying. There's a logical consistency to this. If there's nothing but matter, then all the apparently non-material things about our lives are pretty much an illusion. But also, I don't know, people do believe in things like objective right and wrong, um, and even that we have souls, um, whatever that means even if they think there's no God and that all causes are physical. Those kind of options of belief are still... Well, people see people them as hold there. them. He would say they're not holding them consistently, I guess. And that's kind of part of this conversation, is just trying to work out what is... If I believe this, what does that mean about these other things? So I wanted to pursue this with Sharon Derrick. So what does God have to do with this discussion? If he doesn't exist, does it follow that humans are, in fact, just clumps of cells and matter? If matter is all that we have to work with, then again, that the chasm from matter to consciousness is is a huge one, and it's possibly why some kind of agnostics and atheists um, have decided to take a reductive approach because it's in a sense easier to say it's all just uh, electrical activity than trying to explain how something extraordinary is conscious experience could emerge from a physical system that's a really really hard thing to to try and explain um there was another view that i mentioned in my book actually um called pan panpsychism um which actually argues that consciousness is fundamental to the cosmos and there's consciousness in kind of every living thing even down to the kind of atomic scale and uh, you know electrons quarks right up to you know human beings and that that's a really interesting view there are some things to be said about it that what does it mean to 
that, that there's something to be an electron, that an electron might have conscious experience. But it, it actually raises an interesting question and um, because it, it acknowledges that physical building blocks are not going to be enough to solve this problem. And people expressing this view say, look, what happens if you start with consciousness and say that that is the fundamental property of the universe and then try and explain how we got to matter from there. So they almost reverse the poles, you know. And that's actually interesting then when we come to think about um, a theistic take on this. Because where I land in Am I Just My Brain is to ask the question, well... If we, if we consider the possibility that God exists, does that help us um, solving this hard problem of consciousness? And really it does, um, because if God exists, then we didn't start with the physical, we started with a conscious being known as God, who exists as Father and Son and Holy Spirit, what Christians refer to as the Trinity, a conscious um, being in three persons um, and matter came from there we didn't start with matter we started with consciousness Sharon we've spoken a lot about non-material things spiritual things mind and so on but what does Christian faith have to say about the physical because I'm sure there's something to add there right it doesn't dismiss it as irrelevant Absolutely. Um, you know, I guess right at the start of the, the kind of biblical narrative in those first chapters of Genesis, you, you begin with God who um, is non-physical, but then creates a physical world and, uh, and creates physical beings as well, and then gives them work to do in it. And so actually, the Christian faith, the Judeo-Christian view absolutely upholds um, the beauty of the physical world and acknowledges the reality that humans are integrated physical and spiritual beings, which means that both of those things are important and are to be um, valued. And actually, you, um, you would see that, you know, I describe my, myself as a, from a scientific background science is the study of the physical world and we should absolutely do that and actually you can and look uh, through the the annals of history and see that many of the pioneers of the study of the physical world were themselves theists people that believed in god and saw that there was this incredible order in nature precisely because there was an orderer behind it and so uh, I'm not in any way wanting to um, denigrate the, the physical. We are integrated physical and spiritual. Um, so we're not actually uh, just going to float off. The notion of heaven isn't that humans would float off to heaven to be with God as though their physical body is irrelevant. The heart of the Christian faith says that Jesus Christ rose bodily from the dead and that anyone that follows him will do the same. And so that, that's really what it all centres around, that we are physical and spiritual in this life and in the one to come. There isn't really such a thing as heaven, but a new heaven and a new earth, which is physical and spiritual. It will be every bit as real uh, as this life. Um, and that's an interesting thought. Now, you think that Christian faith best explains this notion of humans being both physical but also spiritual beings how does it do that you know even if we come up with a complete neuroscience of consciousness it still doesn't answer the question why are we conscious in the first place 
And really, are these physical descriptions enough to explain consciousness itself? And I would argue that that isn't the case. And so if we consider the possibility that God exists, does that help us? Well, I would argue that it does. Um, It helps us a lot because if God exists, we didn't start with um, neurons and physical systems. We started with a conscious being known as God. And that same God has made human beings in his image, in other words, with his fingerprints. And so we could say that we are conscious because God is conscious and he has made us this way. We think because he does, which means you can. it's absolutely appropriate to be a thinker and a follower of God. Um, and actually, that, that's incredible for lots of other reasons as well, because if we're made in the image of God, it means that we have incredible value and purpose and a deeper sense of identity that that goes way beyond what's happening to our brain. And even if our brain becomes damaged or degrades or simply ages as it's doing with all of us, our our value and purpose uh, doesn't change as people. And the ultimate thing that I think is really interesting is that it's actually through our minds and the the reality of being conscious that we're able to think these higher thoughts about does God exist? Sharon, there's a really interesting phenomenon in this. In so many Westerners have sort of shunned religious practice and yet seem to still exhibit kind of spiritual yearnings of various types, don't you think? Yeah, I do. And I think it's, um, and maybe a lot of people might describe themselves as being spiritual, but not religious. But even that view presupposes that, that there's more going on than than physical things. And what is the spirit, you know, where and where does that come from? And it's really interesting that the Christian faith talks about um, the Holy Spirit, which is actually the way that, that God is alive to the Christian today. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation about where that might come from. But um, as I think about consciousness, I, you know, think about if there is the, the possibility, if there are explanations for consciousness um, from within physical systems are not enough, then perhaps what we're saying is that, that consciousness itself, uh, you know, its origin lies beyond this world. Um, and so maybe that points to the reality that we're actually made for more than simply this world. Uh, And I just think that's such an interesting thought, especially when, you know, this world is so hard with all of its difficulty and and stress and strain. Is there the possibility that, that we're made for more than simply this life and this world? There's a verse in the Bible that says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. And I just wonder if that's something that people listening might find it helpful to to think about and certainly if you're more than just your brain then that is a very real possibility thanks today to sharon dirks from Ocker, the oxford center for christian apologetics her book am i just my brain is an excellent short which seems important for people these days treatment of this topic it's highly recommended Thanks also today for our producers, Anthea Godsmark and Alan Douthwaite. We're not too far from drawing the curtain on another year. Not a year exactly like every other one, we've got to say. But we're not done yet. Next week...
Christmas, Christmas carols, what do they mean? We're having a few guests on to look at that. Join us then. Mm -hmm.